G'day, welcome to Age Abuse and Justice, where each episode I summarise an elder abuse case to demonstrate what elder abuse looks like and how the law deals with it. Age Abuse and Justice started as short videos published on YouTube. I did 15 cases in video format, but it took much longer to record and edit, so gradually I eased out of videos to focus on the podcast. It also allowed me to do cases in more detail. I'm now adding the audio from those video recordings to be available on the podcast channel as well. Please excuse the bad audio, these are made from when I was first learning how to use this equipment so it gets pretty dicey. So this is one of those video recordings. The videos are still available on YouTube if you'd like to check them out. You can search for Age Abuse and Justice or you could look on the New South Wales Legal Aid podcast channel. But I'll also include the links for this case in the notes below. So on to the case. My name is Tanya Chapman and today we're going to be dealing with a case that demonstrates that it isn't enough to see a lawyer. You actually have to get legal advice. So you might actually be in front of a lawyer talking to a lawyer, but unless you're getting legal advice, it doesn't count. The other thing this case demonstrates is that not all elder abuse is by a child. Although we do have statistics that show that about 48% of elder abuse is by the child to the parent, it's not always the case. And in this case, we're looking at other family members. Rosa Irvine was 90 years old. She owned a house in Orange that she had bought in the 1970s and lived in for over 30 years. She received the age pension but had very little other assets. Rosa didn't have a husband or children. Her nearest relatives was her nephew Maxwell and her niece Elizabeth. In 2005, Rosa did a power of attorney appointing Max to be her attorney to be able to deal with her money and property on her behalf. At the same time, she also did a will which left everything to Max and his two children. A few months after doing the power of attorney, Max contacted Rosa's bank and instructed them to release the certificate of title for her property to his solicitor, Mr. Carpenter. So the certificate of title is proof of ownership. Any ownership of land is registered on a land register and the owner receives a certificate of title, which is their proof that they own the property. If they want to sell it or if they want to mortgage it, they need to show this proof. Uh, and nowadays we're going towards electronic certificate of titles, but back in 2005, we we're still very much on the hard copy method. So there was a hard copy original certificate of title, and that was your proof that you owned property. Rosa had her certificate of title stored safely at her bank, and using the power of attorney, Max had instructed the bank to send that certificate of title to his solicitor. Around the same time, Max also got Rosa's property valued. In February 2006, Max instructed his solicitor, Mr. Carpenter, to prepare the transfer form in order to transfer Rosa's property to himself and his two sons for the sum of $1. On the 24th of February 2006, two months before Rosa's 91st birthday, Max took Rosa to his solicitor in order for her to sign that transfer form to transfer her house to him. Mr. Carpenter spoke with Rosa only very briefly before saying that she needed her own independent solicitor and she couldn't sign the transfer form until she had seen a solicitor and got an independent advice. So Mr. Carpenter rang up a law firm in town 
not his, and he arranged for another solicitor to come to his office. This solicitor was Miss Ringbauer. Miss Ringbauer came over to the office straight away and she saw Rosa alone in a room for about 10 minutes and then she witnessed Rosa's signature to the transfer. Mr Carpenter followed up with registering the transfer and the property was transferred from Rosa's name into the name of Max and his two sons. After the transfer, Rosa continued to live in the property and she continued to pay the electricity bills, but Max paid the rates and other outgoings on the house. Not long after the transfer, Rose wanted her house back and she initiated legal proceedings against Max to get the property transferred back into her name. At the court hearing, Max said that the whole thing was Rose's idea, that she wanted to transfer the house to him and his sons and the purpose was to avoid the niece Elizabeth getting it. So he said that Rosa was worried that Elizabeth would sell the house out from under her and she was also worried that Elizabeth would make a claim against her estate or challenge her will in such a way to lay claim to some of this property to the house. So basically Rosa's will left everything to Max and his two sons. If Elizabeth challenged that she might be able to get some of the property and by transferring the house to Max now Rosa could prevent that. So that was Max's argument that this was all Rosa's idea. The court did not find Max's argument to be very believable. Firstly, this argument that uh, Elizabeth would sell the house out from under Rosa, completely unreasonable. Um, no basis in reality. Elizabeth had no power to sell the house. It wasn't in her name. She wasn't the power of attorney. She had no authority to sell the house. So even if Rosa did believe that Elizabeth could do this, she couldn't. It was an unreasonable fear. Instead, the court found that Max actually just wanted to prevent Elizabeth getting the house, so it was his idea to transfer it into his name. It could be that he was worried about Rosa changing her will again. Only a couple of years earlier, she had done a will that said she left the house to Elizabeth and her husband. So even though she had changed it to leave it to Max, she could change her mind again. So perhaps in fear of that, Max encouraged her to transfer the house to him outright. According to Rosa, not long after she did the power of attorney, Max said to her words to the effect of, why don't you just transfer the house to me now instead of me having to wait till you die? And Rosa agreed because she didn't feel like she could say no to Max. Around this time, Max was also telling her that she wouldn't see Elizabeth again, that Elizabeth wanted nothing to do with her and that she's going to have to rely on Max to look after her in her old age. In the background of this transfer, other things were going on as well. So on the 21st of February, only three days before signing the transfer, Rosa rang up the solicitor who, who had prepared her power of attorney and her will, Mr Blackwell. In this conversation with Mr Blackwell, Rosa couldn't remember that she'd done a power of attorney. She didn't remember appointing Max only about five months earlier. Mr Blackwell confirmed to her, yes, she had appointed Max, he was her attorney, but if she didn't want him to be the attorney anymore, she could cancel that appointment. Rosa did want to cancel the power of attorney, but she said words to the effect of, I don't want Max to know as he can be overpowering. On the 27th of February 2006, three days after signing the transfer, Mr Blackwell visited Rosa at her house and he took with him the form for her to sign to cancel the power of attorney, except Rosa said she didn't want to sign it, she had changed her mind. 
When Mr. Blackswell asked her if she changed her mind because Max was pressuring her or Max didn't want her to sign it, Rosa said words to the effect of, no, he can be forceful, but I do what I want. Rosa also told Mr. Blackwell about the transfer. She told him that she had transferred her house to Max, that she had done it voluntarily, that Max had enforced her, and that Max has promised that she could live in the house for the rest of her life. Going back to the time of transferring that document, Miss Ringbauer gave evidence to court as well. So Miss Ringbauer said that she had no previous warning. She got this phone call and had to head over straight away and she only received the transfer form when she got to Mr. Carpenter's office. She met with Rosa briefly and she told Rosa that this is a transfer form, that Rosa would be transferring her house to Max and his two sons and Rosa confirmed that that was what she wanted to do. When Miss Ringbauer asked Rosa where she would live after the transfer, Rosa said that she would continue to live in the house, that she had lived there since 1973, and that Max would never kick her out. Miss Ringbauer did not ask if Rosa had any guarantee that Max wouldn't kick her out, that she had any safeguard to prevent Max from doing that. She also didn't discuss whether this transfer was going to affect Rosa's pension. They didn't discuss the many ways in which the property could be lost. So Max or his sons, any one of them could have died and their interest in the property transferred to someone else and that person might have wanted to force the sale of the property or at the very least kick Rosa out. They could have become bankrupt. Uh, Max and his sons could have got a mortgage on the property, defaulted on the mortgage and the bank taken possession. Or they could have just simply sold the house um, and Rosa would be homeless and without funds. Miss Ringbauer also didn't know that this house was pretty much Rosa's only asset, most definitely her principal asset. And that is definitely significant because giving it away as she is, she doesn't have anything to fall back on if everything goes wrong. This information would have been vital in getting adequate legal advice because a person who has multiple properties and shares in investment portfolios this transfer of property would affect them differently than it would Rosa, who only had the age pension and this house and then basically her clothes and furniture. And that difference needs to be taken into consideration. There was also the rushed manner. So Rosa hadn't met Miss Ringbauer before. She hadn't chosen her as a solicitor. So she's meeting with her at the day she's supposed to sign this document. She's speaking to her alone in a room but with full knowledge that Max and his solicitor are waiting outside. So there's this kind of pressure on her to get this done quickly. There's also not enough time to get advice, to ask questions, to think about it, to maybe change her mind and decide she doesn't want to tr sign the transfer after all. Rosa said she can remember signing a document but she doesn't remember it being a transfer. She said she didn't realize it was a transfer at the time and she also said she didn't realize that Miss Ringbauer was a solicitor at the time, definitely not knowing that she was her solicitor. The court, however, came to the conclusion that Rosa did understand that she was signing a transfer. They said she understood that she was transferring her house to Max and his sons. What they said was she didn't get adequate legal advice. A solicitor's role is not just to do what the client tells them to do. A solicitor should be asking, why do you want to do this? Is there other ways that we could do it? Are there ways that we could do it better? Um, okay, so you do want to do this. What are the pros and cons? 
Um, so if we go through with this transfer, are you going to lose your pension? Is there a chance you could lose your home? What are some of the risks? What if Max dies? What if he becomes bankrupt? You look at all the advantages and disadvantages or the risk and you give this information to the client. And then with that information, the client makes their decision. So having received instructions that the client wants to proceed with the transfer, the solicitor's job isn't finished. They can then advise what other steps the client might take to protect themselves. How can you avoid some of these risks? If Miss Ringbauer had asked Rosa why she wanted to transfer the house and Rosa responded that her reason was she wanted to avoid Elizabeth selling it out from under her, well, the solicitor could have advised her that that wasn't a possibility. Elizabeth had no power to sell the house. But in transferring the property to Max, she would be giving Max the power to be able to do that. If Rosa had answered that she was transferring the property because she would get a guarantee from Max to live in the house for the rest of her life, again, Miss Ringbauer could have told her she already had the right to reside there for the rest of her life. Transferring the house to Max actually put that right at risk. The court found that this transaction was unjust because Rosa depended on Max, she was reliant on him, she didn't feel like she could say no to him, and this, this transaction left her with no financial resources and left her accommodation at risk. The court found that it would be unconscionable to allow Max and his two sons to retain the benefit of this improvident transaction. They ordered that the house was to return to Rosa and that Max and his two sons were to pay the stamp duty and conveyancing costs to transfer the house back and also to pay Rosa's legal fees. This case is a great reminder to solicitors that their job is not just to take instructions from a client, that they have to do so much more. They have to make sure that the client gets adequate legal advice. It's also a good reminder that solicitors are able to spot elder abuse and act on it. So firstly, in this case, definitely not adequate legal advice. Firstly, you would need to see Rosa alone and make sure she understands that you are her solicitor and you are taking instructions for her and acting for her, that you don't act for Max. You would make sure that she understands what she's doing. So you would be asking those questions. Why is she doing this? Can she do it another way? You would allow enough time. So I would allow this initial appointment of advice would at least be about an hour. There'd be a follow-up letter of advice that she could read through and consider at her leisure. And then if she has any questions or wants to talk about it further, we can meet again. And also just gives her time to be able to decide if she wants to back out or not. This transaction also had all the flags of elder abuse. So the solicitors involved could spot that and they should be asking themselves, why is Max giving all the instructions? Yes, he's the appointed attorney, but Rosa still has capacity. So should we not be getting our instructions from Rosa? This transaction doesn't benefit Rosa at all. It only benefits Max. So is he acting in breach of his obligations as attorney? Is he putting any undue pressure on her? Is he giving her information that is false and misleading to manipulate her into this transaction? And if that's the case, should he even be the attorney anymore? Should she consider doing a new power of attorney? So a lot of red flags there, a lot of questions that should have been asked and a lot more legal advice that should have been provided. This has been the case of Irvine versus Irvine. The case citation will be provided in the notes. 
If you have any thoughts on this case or if you have recommendations of cases for me to cover, I'd love to hear them. You can email them to me at elderservice at legalaid.newsouthwales.gov.au. A big thank you from the Elder Abuse Service for listening in. Before I sign off, I want to tell you that we have got a podcast channel. So there's now an Age Abuse and Justice podcast where I do longer case studies. So it's still along the same lines, elder abuse cases, but I'm going to be able to do them a lot more in depth, a lot more information about the background facts, the nature of what happened, a little bit more information about the legal side of things, how it runs through the court, what's the laws involved, how do we break that down and what's the result. It's also going to allow me to do those cases that just have so many interesting details, it would just be wrong to cut them short. For those shorter cases, I'm going to keep it in video format, but with these longer, more in-depth cases, you don't need to be staring at my face for 30 minutes. I don't think anyone wants to do that. So we're just putting it out there in podcast version. I hope you'll check it out. I hope you like it. And I'll hope you join me in both of these transactions, basically. Thanks. (laughs) 